Hello and welcome to the Ophelia Raquel Bueller Show. I'm your host, Ophelia. Ophelia, who just so happens to also be me, is an adult. She likes to use all sorts of adult language, such as anti-disestablishmentarianism and fuck. Therefore, this program might be unsuitable for impressionable or offendable audiences. To take a tag from our good old friend, AO3, don't like, don't read. As well-worn listeners of the show might well be familiar, this is a multi-segment show. Today we have TikTok trends and my drama, my drama and me. Today on the table, super straights and why I think they're all a group of unfabulous fibbers, and wooden pencils. Or alternatively, how I learned to stop wearing and love the French. The first segment of today's program is TikTok Trends. This is a segment where I subject my dear listeners to what my For You page has been hurling at me. Today's discussion involves a new community to me, Super Straits. I was unfamiliar with this term when I first came across it. It might also be the case for you, dear listener. So, I'm going to attempt to define them for you. That way you do not have to go through the same cycle of torment I have been through. From my understanding of their grinder color scheme, coordinated profile picture way of identifying themselves, an accurate simplification of their identity might go thusly. They are straight people who only claim their attraction to cisgender people of the opposite gender. In my mind, well, it somewhat sounds like being trans or trans, but a completely perverted way of saying that. And I did not initially make that connection myself. No, it was brought to my attention by a stream of videos, all making the same exact point. That if trans people can have a preference for other trans people, why can't cis people have a preference for cis people? I see this comparison as flawed and as in as much good face as the comparison of white people who only date white people and black people who only date black people. One is born out of the desire to not have to deal with the frustration of proving your humanity on a first date or multiple times during a relationship. The other, often, not only just seems bigoted, is bigoted. And it is my understanding that a reason there is enough of a trans population only dating trans people to make them be a population is because they don't want to be hate-crimed when they go out on a date, which is, to me, a perfectly respectable way of wanting to live your life. The super straight community makes two claims, which I find to be completely and utterly false. Number one, they claim that their preferences are not transphobic, they're just preferences. And also, it's an orientation. And since it's an orientation, it can't be transphobic because they were born the way they are. And they couldn't change themselves any more than a 
gay person or lesbian person could change the way they are attracted. I do believe that superstraight, at least as I understand the term, is not an orientation in any correct definition of the word. Because as it stands in my view, the idea of being superstraight is proclaiming an attraction of and to genitals. And I ask you, dear listener, with some qualifications, I will mind you, when in polite society have you been willingly introduced to someone genitals first? In this question, dear viewer, the qualifiers are polite, society, and willingly. I, for one, dear listener, have never been willingly introduced to someone Chandler's first. I just so happen to live in a place where attempting to do so will often end up with your name on a list that limits where you can live and if you're allowed to come into contact with children. I question this being an orientation because attraction, in my experience, has always been something that has happened on a split second. And in our current society, since we're not introducing ourselves dick first, we're not introducing ourselves with our genitals, and therefore you will be attracted to someone's face and not know what's in their pants. And you can be attracted. At least seemingly these people can be attracted to someone by just looking at their face. They don't absolutely have to look in their pants in order to become attracted. Like, no one has been making that claim that they absolutely need to know what's in somebody's pants in order for that attraction to begin. And therefore, it really is just a preference, not an orientation. So, they don't need a pride flag, they don't need a month, and they don't need a float in every single fucking local pride parade. <sighs> They're not a part of the queer community. I do not know why they want to be a part of the queer community. And if I see any of them try and come to what should be a good family event, a safe space for young queer people of all different types, including young trans people... I am likely, now, for legal reasons, everything I'm about to describe is a joke. Because I am a non-violent person, yes I am, and I've never held a gun. And I don't think I'd know how to use one if I even tried. But they often, at least all the ones I've seen, wear their flag, which they shouldn't have in the first place, they have no need for it, on their sleeve, and it's an orange, there's orange in their flag, and orange is a very visible color. Um, I heard, I hear that's why um, hunters wear it when they go deer hunting, as to not be mistaken for the trees and to not, and to avoid getting shot. So, um, they're a very easy target, a very bright and colorful and not in the way everyone else at pride is bright and colorful it's a very specific shade of orange really only held by one particular dating application not that i've ever shot a sniper rifle but i can't imagine it would be that difficult to pick somebody out 
when they were being so flamboyant. They also claim that advertising their preferences in such a vocal manner is not transphobic. Now here's the thing: having preferences in itself is not transphobic. But the thing is, these people are saying no trans people for me first, and then they're coming up with all these reasons to justify it. They're saying, "Well, um, I want to be able to have my own biological kids with my future partner," and well, really, that's the only justification they have that isn't. Steeped in transphobic rhetoric, I do hope this whole thing blows over eventually. They get back to、uh, the good old black and white flag, being douchebags as they ever were, and they leave me the fuck alone, so I can get back to looking at cute girls in skirts doing dances or talking about how. If I had a boyfriend, and I was that boyfriend's girlfriend, they might give me conolingus on their couch after playing dress up, because I have the hentai boobies that I do assume excite those cute girls. To start with my trauma surrounding wooden pencils. It's best to start from the beginning, or at least my beginning. I was born with an APGAR score of zero. What does this mean? Well, it means I was born blue in the face. My umbilical cord was completely wrapped around my fucking neck because I didn't know that I'd need to breathe when they took me out of my mother. I had very little heart rate. I didn't really move.、Um, my muscle tone was indeed limp, and wasn't crying when I got out. Factum:、um, My parents make the claim that I didn't cry for a very long time until after I was born. Now, dear listener, you might just be wondering, Ophelia. What does this have to do with you having trauma regarding wooden pencils? Well, we're about to get there because you see, I was born with weak ass fucking muscles, absolutely weak, so weak I couldn't do basically jack shit all. And you're wondering, did your parents do exercises when you were? Baby, to help you get muscles, maybe, but they weren't the right ones, because I got into kindergarten. I couldn't hold a pencil, or a pen, or a crayon, or anything, anything other than a fist, and that got me through a lot until the first grade, and everything was too sloppy to read. So they sent me into occupational therapy. A occupational therapist gave me this grippy thing. So I could space my fingers where they needed to be. For those of you wondering, if you don't know how to hold a pencil yourself, I was taught to 
put it to put a flat ridge between on my middle finger, place my index finger on a flat ridge, and place my thumb on another flat ridge in a triangle formation. And this is how my occupational therapist was convinced I would write beautifully and properly and legibly. I don't know if anyone's ever tried to pick up a fine motor skill recently as an adult. Maybe you tried to learn how to knit or crochet, or maybe you tried to learn how to finger knit or finger crochet or finger weave or something like that. And you're having to move your fingers in all these new and different ways. And maybe, just maybe, it is causing you pain. But it's okay because you understand that, like, there are muscles in your hands that are being utilized in ways you never thought they'd ever be utilized before. Now picture you're six years old. You think your handwriting is perfectly fucking legible because what six-year-old doesn't think their handwriting is legible? They wouldn't turn in their papers if they didn't think it was legible. They're six-year-olds. They're not completely stupid. Well, I might have been. Maybe I was just fucking stupid. I'll have to consult my parents on that one. And so, you're a six-year-old, you're a seven-year-old, you're an eight-year-old, and you're a nine-year-old, and you're taken out of your normal classes to go into an unair-conditioned tin building to sit with this strange lady who you think shapeshifts because she doesn't always look the same, but you don't know her name because you're terrible with names, and you're also terrible with faces, because you can't picture anybody's face. And she teaches you how to hold a pencil over and over and over. And it's painful, and so you cry because it's painful. But she tells you to just fucking suck it up, only she doesn't tell you to fucking suck it up, because she is, in fact, a paid professional. She tells you to stop making such a big deal out of this, it's nothing, and you need to stop faking it for the attention, because I'm gonna make you do this until you get it right. And eventually, you go to another school in the same school district, but because your school district is underfunded as fuck, and uh, no one's really looking at your IEP, they decide, eh, she probably doesn't need any more occupational therapy. We'll just send her on to middle school, where she can uh, fail classes for not having pretty enough handwriting when she was just in occupational therapy. To fix her handwriting. Nothing could go wrong here. No survey, not a thing. And so then, many, many years later, after you've completely stopped using wooden pencils and 
nearly almost pencils all together. And you start out using pens, and uh, you like pens, and uh, then your parents get divorced, and your mom doesn't get custody because your dad's a fucking narcissist. And so he doesn't buy you school supplies. And you only see your mom, like, every Tuesday and Thursday for dinner. But you don't have the best memory. And the only time you really go to the store with her is, like, every second and fourth weekend. And so... You don't always have school supplies anymore. And you're in high school, and so people think it's your fault you don't have school supplies. When really, like, your father just doesn't fucking care, and you can't always remember to tell your mom. So you get the brilliant idea. You know what? I'm going to develop a fountain pen hobby. Yes, that's going to be my hobby. Fountain pens. I'm going to use fountain pens for all of my high school homework because it will make me be quirky and cute. And then my grandparents will send me money so I can buy my own school supplies, which they weren't doing because they wanted me to have a hobby. But now I have a hobby that they will, like, you know, give me money for because it's a hobby and they want me to pursue my hobbies because they think my parents should be paying for my school supplies. Well, fair enough. And uh, in college, talking to your therapist and she's telling you to not do that self-harm behavior, which you don't really think is self-harm behavior because one, it doesn't hurt while you're doing it. Two, it doesn't hurt after the fact. And three, like, it might leave a scab. And yeah, you pick at the scab. And yeah, you can recognize how picking at the scab is self-harm behavior. Because picking at the scab makes it bleed. You're not bleeding when you're doing the action. You only bleed after you pick the scab. And you're like, yes, I understand that. And then she brings up how you don't use wooden pencils. And you're like, yeah, I, I don't vibe with them. And she's like, you should work on using wooden pencils. Because what if you have to use a wooden pencil? And then I'd be like, then I guess I'll die. And she's like, you can't joke about that. It's like, why can't I joke about that? And she's like, you're here because you tried to kill yourself. That means it's a credible threat. And it's like, no, it's not. Because, like, it's it's not for no reason why I'd be killing myself. It's because I'd be using a wooden pencil. Because it caused me great deals of pain. She's like, why the fuck do they cause me great deals of pain? It's like, because I cannot use a wooden pencil without becoming eight-year-old me in an unconditioned uh, tin shed being yelled at for crying because it hurt my hand to go into a triangle formation. To hold a pencil in a correct manner so I could write my fucking name legibly for the first time in my fucking life. This has been the Ophelia Raquel Bueller Show. I've been your host, Ophelia. Please come again later. If you know how to leave a voice memo, leave one of those and I'll get right back to you. <gasps> Goodbye.